Hi guys, good morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you're listening to today's episode, and welcome back to Teachable Psych. Disclaimer, if you haven't noticed, I haven't posted in a while, and that is because I wasn't able to reach out to college professors in time before they logged off and was on vacation, but I will be posting throughout the rest of the year again, and we'll be back on posting regularly through January through July. But throughout the rest of the year, I will be posting episodes pertaining to this specific season. As most people know, school has already started and most everyone is already in school. So today's episode will be on a high school teacher's point of view. And for the Halloween season, I will be posting an episode specifically pertaining to fear and how that affects people and how that process happens in our brain. But yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode as much as I do, and I'll see you after it. My name is Will Hargett. I teach AP Psychology at North Cobb High School. Uh, I help with the girls' varsity basketball, and I am the women's head golf coach. And you're also my psychology teacher. That is correct. (laughs) Okay. So the first question, it's really broad, so you can take this in multiple different ways, but how do you think psychology is related to education? Well, there's just a, a touch you can connect it to, you can connect it to how different age children approach their thinking and their learning, um, how the brain processes information, how the different parts of the brain uh, including the cerebellum and the hippocampus, store and retrieve information. Uh, you learn about defense mechanisms and how you rationalize your behavior and your achievement and uh, school in general. And I just think there's so many facets of psychology that aren't really talked about that have um, so many different uh, tools and ideologies in education that are really good for young, young people. Okay, so what? why did you choose to teach psychology, and how did it interest you? Well, when I, when I started 10 years ago at North Cobb, I taught uh, world history because my second college degree was in business, and, in history, whereas my first college degree was in business, and when... I went and got my second degree in history. I was a, uh, a world history, and they also needed a general psychology or a psych-wise psych- psychology teacher. So opportunity came up that they were looking to train someone for AP PUSH, AP UF history, and also AP psych, because our psych um, teacher that was teaching at North Cobb for 35 years, she was gonna be retiring and then they needed someone to take over the AP psychology program and they asked me if I wanted to do it. Yes, because um, like I said, psychology, there's so many different ways to tie it to students and how they think and how they learn and how they act. Um, I just thought it was a lot more relatable to high school students through psychology than through US history. So if teachers were required to at least have like a course or maybe even a degree in psychology, how do you think teachers would respond differently or handle students differently? Um, 
I think they would probably be a little more patient because they could figure out that not every individual has a certain learning style or a certain uh, certain um, analytical mind. They would also understand that um, everybody learns at a different level. Everybody, everybody's brain processes information differently. Um, I, so, I, so I think they would understand that everybody is unique and different in the way they they actually encode and store information in their brain and that um, some people that might not be good at tests could be other um, they could be creative and um, successful in other mediums such as art or projects or podcasts or uh, group projects or superhero brain cards or some other thing that they they might use to their advantage so as you're taught um the brain goes through four stages of cognition and you always talk about how that allows you to put like certain expectations on your children or how much they can handle Mm -hmm. so how does go ahead um so how does that um, also differ in each grade level because after the fourth stage, it's until adulthood. Well, you know, mo- most every student that comes to me, whether they're in ninth grade or 12th grade, they're in a certain stage of their life. Um, freshman year is difficult because you're starting with a new school and you're you might be the big fish in the little pond, but now you're the little fish in the big pond. So um, you you might be an on-level learner, or you might be an AP learner, or you might be a magnet learner. Um, so it you just have to kind of uh, um, understand your students and their and their personalities and build those relationships, no matter what grade they're in. Uh, some seniors might be already thinking about college and not necessarily trying to to generate a lot of achievement through their high school classes anymore. Whereas a magnet freshman might be looking to um, get that AP credit on top of an A and, uh, you know, create their position if they want to be maybe valedictorian. So I think everybody comes into the class as a formal thinker uh, in Piaget's four stages of cognition, but um, some people are happy with just getting by and getting a 2.5 and graduating high school and then being a mechanic or something else. And then other people want to graduate with a 4.7 and try to go to Harvard and do other things. So it just depends on the person. But I think above anything else, you have to build healthy and successful relationships with your students. I think that's number one. Um. So after you took or like took the own class on AP Psych, did that give you a set of different perspectives on certain people or yourself? When I started teaching AP Psych? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I just, um, it, it, it's a much more difficult class. The pace is much quicker. Uh, there's not as many you know, fun things to do per se, not as many projects. Uh, we don't watch as many films. We don't watch as many documentaries. 
Um, so the rigor and the speed of the course is definitely a lot different. Um, it's different for me because I have to plan it out and hit certain targets on certain days uh, because some high schools teach AP psychology in a year long setting and we do it in 18 weeks. So I have to really keep up with a, with a, um, with a tight schedule and tight scope and sequence. So I have to prioritize my time, uh, make sure that I hit my targets. And if student has never taken AP, they might, um, they might get uh, sort of anxious with the speed that the class goes and the amount of work you have to do in a short period of time. So yes, it has changed um, the way I teach, but you just have to be very uh, good with your time management and understand um, all the work you have to do for all classes, not just an, or one AP, um, but you just have to be a, a very good planner of your time. So between the like the four different things of like variable ratio and fixed interval and that stuff, in your classroom setting, you give out donuts, but that's only sometimes. So how does that affect um, students answering when they do or don't, when they don't know if they're going to get a reward per se? Well, I mean, you still have some students that don't, don't, you know, participate at all. So, um, you know, you usually have the students that participate and then also know the right answers. And so their, their likelihood of uh, winning donuts becomes much greater, but um, it just, it just depends. Uh, and that's why it's called variable ratio. Uh, it's just given at a different time. Well, not different times, but uh, after a certain amount of responses and the people that always get donuts, I try not to call on, but, and I try to encourage people that don't talk a lot in class um, to give it a shot. So, um, you know, it just depends on the personality. A lot of the people that sit at the front of the classroom are very engaged. They do really well. If we went by, um, by seat, by row, um, the average grades in class and the average grades on the AP exams, the fives normally come from the first two rows. And that's not that's not a fact and it's not correct in every situation but if you had you know the first five seats across the room against the back five seats across the room it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't even be close okay. so when people value grades much more than because they want it as like validation from their parents or peers and it becomes an extrinsic motivation how has that changed the way they view classes? The way that I view classes? No, the student. Um, well, I mean, the, the people that have the intrinsic motivation and love to learn and are intellectually curious, they tend to do a lot better. Um, I don't know, extrinsic motivation can only take you so far and the chances of you being valedictorian or having the highest GPA, I mean, those those are so few, the percentages of people that try to acquire that. So I think you always have to set goals for yourself and not for your parents or not for your peers, but for yourself. Uh, and that's why they say have reach schools, have schools that you think you have a really good shot at getting into. Then you have your fallback schools and 
you just have to have um, ideas set up for what you want to get out of school. Um, you know, I see so many people that have like a 4.3 or 4.4 or 4.5 GPA and they're not even, you know, in the top 25 of, of their class, which is crazy that you can have that high GPA and then not be in the, you know, the very elite top one or 5%. I have 12 recommendation letters that I'm writing right now and only one of those 12 are in the top 5%. So um, every one of those recommendation letters, except for one, the, the student has over a 4.0 GPA, but only one of those 12 is in the top 5%. So it just shows you how competitive school it is. And especially with Hope and Zell here in Georgia, um, it's made it that much, much more difficult. So the original question, you know, you have to do it for yourself and have it intrinsically motivated instead of worrying about extrinsic motivators. It's not really, the grade, it's, and I, I try to preach that, don't worry about what your grade is in class, worry about knowing the information and uh, knowing the information for the AP exam and psychology in general is going to help you later in life, not just for a grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what about when like grades become the only way they feel like they're good enough? I can't speak to that because I am a teacher and I'm 50, so I can't really put myself in the in the mind of a 14, 15, 16, 17, or 18 year old. So uh, I don't think, you know, that I can't really speak to that because I didn't take AP classes when I was in high school. I don't even think they were really a thing, and I just took honors classes. So um, I don't I don't really know that side from a student perspective. Have you ever seen a student, like, tear themselves down from, like, a B? Um, absolutely. I mean, they get disappointed and they're hard on themselves. But in the end, I always say, you know, what's the worst possible thing that can happen? And you got a B instead of an A. And your grade point average is a, you know, 397 instead of a 4.0 or a 378. So it's really hard. But uh, in the end... If you can sit down and say, I did everything that I possibly could to uh, put myself in a position that I could get an A or a five on the exam, then you should feel really happy with yourself. But if you tear yourself down, you need to introspect and look at yourself and say, hey, did I do everything I could? Did I uh, read the book as much as I could? Did I um, give examples? Did I make sure that I could put each of these words in an FRQ and define and apply it and um, if I ask a student did they do everything possibly that they could it's very rare that I get a person that says yes I did every single thing that I could so for nature versus nurture you always say like it always starts at the home and the family which is very true but at a certain age what what about when the child is at school or outside the house more than in their house Like, mean, the parents can only control so much after a certain age. Oh, I gotcha. Um, I think you just reinforce those behaviors. We're using psychology terms, but you have to reinforce uh, high management. You have to reinforce what's expected, and you have to put your uh, schoolwork and your grades and your, um, your academic achievement first. I always tell my um, 
my students and my own sons, you know, it's God and family first, it's school second and or, and um, athletics and everything else third. So you have to take care of your family and have a relationship with God. And then you have to worry about school. And then uh, after school, then everything else can come along. Athletics, band, chorus, orchestra, um, all of those things. So you have to prioritize everything. Um, and then as far as being away from home, I always tell my own sons, you know, they're put in a position where they're not sure if that's right or wrong or should they do something or should they i always say just imagine mom or dad behind you and they're you know right behind you what, what would you do if mom and dad were standing behind you so um just just teaching them and growing them in a responsible manner um i think is going to to work a lot of times you're right you're going to have people that follow follow people and do things that they shouldn't but um, if you teach your your students and your kids uh, to be their own leader uh, I think I think they'll be they'll be just fine what what would you do if like a student like you'd give them advice but they choose to ignore it or they think they have no control over the situation as, as opposed to their grades or or something else just situations in life um i mean they always have a choice and i always i know this is kind of morbid but i always tell my students what's the worst possible thing that can happen and the worst possible thing is always you die so if you peel it back from there and you say okay i'm gonna get a b in this class or, or i'm not gonna pass or I'm going to be held back a grade. I mean, those are some of the things that you really are talking about the worst possible things can happen. So an internal locus of control that we talked about in psychology, that's a little bit later on down the road and handling the things that you can handle, handling your grades, handling those healthy relationships, uh, having positive relationships with your parents. Um, I think students are always in control. Um, but, they might not think that they have uh, control to, to put things in motion. Um, I have students right now that are that have five zeros in the grade book and that have 24s in AP psychology. And that's hard for me to understand, but I don't know what's going on at home or uh, anywhere else. So I know that those students are in class and I see them and I remind them. Um, there are students that could completely take control over their academic achievement and choose not to. And you can only, you know, leave horse to water, but you can't make it drink. So, you know, I think ultimately uh, an individual does have control for a whole variety of situations, but they just have to understand how to put themselves, how to step them up for success. So. Okay, so first, I'd say like first few weeks or a month, once you start school, you're getting back into routine because you lost that circadian rhythm, right? So besides like just getting new classes and a different or the same workload, how do you think like the first observation they have of a teacher or a certain person they haven't met 
affects their view of them after. After? Like, after they first meet them, like, how does that change their perspective on them? How does it change my perspective on a student? Or just anyone? Um, I mean, as far as the circadian rhythms, um, I don't really think, you know, people have to adjust and, you know, I think it's funny to hear students say that, you know, school is so hard and, you know, I don't have any time and this and that. And, um, you become an adult and you have a, you have a full-time job and if you eventually get married and have children and children that do things, um, extracurricular activities, it's, it's very difficult. I think the perspective I get from once I get to know my students and um, I get to know my students so well that I can pretty accurately predict what their grade is going to be in the class and how well they're going to do on the AP exam. And I can probably say within a good 70 to 80 percent, I, I can uh, predict the score of um, all of my AP students that take the exam. So uh, I can see through their habits, through uh, how how they answer questions in class, how they do their vocabulary, how detail-oriented they are, um, how disappointed they are from, you know, one person, if one person got a raw 80, that would be uh, the best thing that's ever happened to them, whereas another person gets a raw 80 and they're not happy unless they get a raw 90. So, um Teddy Roosevelt once said, comparison is the thief of joy. And I think that's one of the best uh, things that I've ever heard because you you have to set goals for yourself and you can't compare yourself to other people. So um, it's interesting to get to know people after, after we start back to school. And sometimes I have very good predictions from the first week. And then people that I've uh, coached in sports or had um, – in my club and then to get them in class, I have certain expectations for them. And sometimes they're, you know, right on 100% correct. And other times I think someone's gonna be super successful and they're really book smart, but they're not hardworking or they're uh, not necessarily, you know, from an intelligence perspective, super high scoring, but they work super hard and they, 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 they make up what they lack. In, being gifted with hard work. Okay, so that's all the questions I have for you today. Thank you for taking the time every day to do this. Absolutely. For one of my favorite students, uh, it was it was a lot of fun, and I enjoyed uh, talking with you, Sarah. So it was my pleasure. Thank you. Hi guys, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed this month's episode as much as I did. Have a wonderful rest of your day or evening or night, and I can't wait to see y'all in next month's episode.